Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes and Ross Martin. It's our weekly Ross, Greg, Tommy show, and this time we've got something to talk about. Carolina released their 2018-2019 basketball schedule, and Greg, I'll go ahead and start with you. I mean, it's quite the eclectic mix of teams. Starts at Wofford, ends with Harvard coming to the Smith Center on January 2nd. I don't know if I've seen a just a vastly different bunch than I've seen in this one that Roy Williams has put together for next season. Yeah, I think you have to give Roy a ton of credit because he is not scared to to play anybody. He is not scared to travel. I think the fact that he is starting the season at Wofford and at Elon is just incredible. And I think that that speaks, that says a lot about Roy, that those are two programs that are local. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that went to Elon. There's a lot of people that went to Wofford that are diehard Carolina fans. Um, and I think the fact that Elon is starting their you know, brand new arena, his willingness to, to go to Burlington and, and, and uh, you know, go to Elon and, and open that arena. I mean, he did it with College of Charleston. I think Bobby Crimmins was still down there. And you know, Charleston won that game. Uh, Andrew Gulak was just phenomenal in that, that game. Uh, and then he went to Asheville. You know, Bruce Hornsby played uh, before the game at, at Asheville. <laughs> in the ring? I think his son... I, mean, I don't know what it was, but I think his son was on the roster, maybe. Uh, yeah, that was, that was played to open the arena. And, I mean, that's, that's just neat for him to be willing to do that, to help out these programs. I think that says a lot about him. Um, so that's, that's just really, really unique for me to see UNC open at Walford and then at Elon. I mean, UNC does not have to do that by any stretch of the imagination. But Roy is willing to do that. And so just, just there, just that first week of the season, um, I think you know is is very cool, and the fact that hey, November sixth, what day is that, guys? Mm, election guys. day. No, it's not a Friday. Maybe. It's not a Friday, right? It's it's they they moved up the schedule this year, right? And so the sixth is a Tuesday. It is election so day. We're, we're, okay, so it is election day. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about politics, Ross, um, <laughs> but the fact that. The fact that UNC <laughs> and the college basketball is starting, you know, three days early. That's neat. So you a lot of a lot of cool things just in the, the first two weeks of November. Uh Ross Greg's on a roll, so you got to keep it up here. Um your thoughts on at Wofford at Elon. I thought it was funny on the message boards. You got some people saying, Oh, it's ridiculous. They should never play somebody like that, blah, 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 blah. It's certainly better to play these guys, help these guys out and I mean, get some get back on Wofford, um, then play, you know, Northwest directional state and beat them by a hundred points. Like some schools, maybe eight miles down the road like to do. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I mean, how excited is Greg to have the season start, you know, three days earlier. That's, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> enthusiasm there for starting on November 6th, not November 9th. But, um, yeah, it was super cool for Elon, especially, I mean, right down the road. I mean, other than, you know, Duke and State is probably the next closest uh, program right down 
down 54, down 40. Um, that news broke today. And then UNC is actually scheduling three games with him along with UNCW. So uh, UNC and Roy Williams helping out local programs. There's going to be <clears throat> one game at Elon, um, then two back in the, the Dean Dome. And then UNCW is going to be kind of the same thing, a, a two-in-one exchange there. And, uh, yeah, open the season with Wofford. Like you said, a good chance for UNC to kind of, I guess, wipe those that, that horrible loss they had this season or last season away. Um, you know, the start of the basketball season is never really like a huge deal. Um, like sometimes the football season is, um, there are a couple premier games, usually like a big tournament in New York. I think they always have, but the UNC opened with Tulane recently. They opened with uh, temple up at the, um, Naval Academy recently as well. So it's never been a big fanfare thing. And then coming back and having Stanford as the home opener, I think is kind of cool. A big kind of cross country team um, and a big program coming to the Dean Dome to kind of kick off the uh, the home season is is a nice little start there as well. Greg, let me ask you about covering games like at these places. And for our listeners, at some point in the next few weeks, we're going to do sort of a behind the scenes inside Carolina game coverage. Ross and Greg can talk about what goes into producing all the content that you guys get to see on our insidecarolina.com message boards and on the website but greg you've been to Asheville and seen them open that you i think you went down to college of charleston and saw that i mean just what kind of environment clearly it's not a cameron indoor or you know madison square garden but it's pretty neat to see you know big time college basketball team come into these smaller places and see how these students and fans of these other teams act and how excited they get to see the tar heels Oh, absolutely. And I think that's one of the great things about college basketball. And, and fans get a taste of it with NCAA tournament. When you see some of these you know, massive upsets, and maybe not even an upset, but you see some of these lower-seeded mid-major programs that, that take a, you know, a, a Power 5-type team to the wire. Um, and there's so much excitement there because this is their one shot. You know, this, is, this is their opportunity on their home court or you know, on their big stage to, to make some noise. And you saw it at Asheville. I mean, Asheville was absolutely rocking. And it was such a neat, neat thing to be there and to see it, to sit courtside. And North Carolina won that game handily. I believe Hansborough and company were still there. So I think they rolled pretty easily in that one. But then when I mean, you talk about College of Charleston, um, you know, that was a game uh, that, was, that, was, that was pretty neat as well. And I think the game that, that Andrew Gulak one, I want to say that one was maybe late December, early January. So that may not have been the one where they opened. Uh, but even then, when you're talking about a situation where North Carolina goes down there to, ha- to help Bobby Crimmins, uh, and you know, I-, I wasn't on the floor for that game. I was up on the concourse. But midway through the second half, everybody was there to, to see this you know, unique opportunity. And then they're like, oh, wait a minute. Can we actually win this thing? And so as you got into like the 10-minute mark, you see all the, the people in the stands start creeping down the stairs, thinking, okay, if they win this game somehow, we are storming the court. And that's ultimately what they did after that game. And so you see all those things, and you know, as, as a North Carolina fan, you, know, you look at that, you're ah, oh, how in the world they lose this? But just as a sports fan in general, you're watching this, and this is what it's about. I mean, this is really the neat thing. You have Goliath coming in, and nobody gives the other team an opportunity. So 
I think I think that's a very special dynamic. I think it's really cool that Roy Williams does that. Um, and, you know, Ross was able to go to the Tennessee game last year. Tennessee, of course, is a, a power five type team. But even with UNC coming into that facility, that place was rocking, right, Ross? Yeah, they hadn't had like a big game like that in so long, and that was kind of the the, the way the Tennessee media approached it. They hadn't had a that kind of high profile basketball game in Knoxville in so long. So yeah, it was it was rocking in a really cool arena there as well, and they packed that house, and it felt like a a big time ACC style game that was in uh, I think mid December of 2017 so yeah i mean carolina is just such a national brand so whenever they're going to come anywhere i mean i think stanford that was a pretty cool scene as well with a lot of unc fans there but um whenever unc travels they're going to have a lot of opponents fans and unc fans from that area come and attend because it's such a big name uh it's a hall of fame coach has three national titles and like greg said like the goliath uh, david goliath factor of the, the chance for a big upset the chance to see history um, and I mean, other than, you know, it's, it's Duke, Kentucky and Carolina and Kansas. Those are the, the four main kind of brands of uh, college basketball. So it's, it's a, it's a big time deal when that comes in your town, a small town like, uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina or Elon, North Carolina. It's, it's a really cool deal for those students and those fans, the crossover of fans. I think like Greg mentioned is unique as well. I mean, I, I know a couple of Wofford grads and they grew up in the Charlotte area or grew up in North Carolina. They're huge Carolina fans. And same with Elon, um, maybe not as much so, but uh, I know a bunch of Wofford people who uh, are just diehard Carolina fans. Tommy, it's, it's such a unique dynamic. I mean, uh, and Carolina is not the only team that does it. I mean, if, if you remember a few years ago, uh, Duke went down to Wilmington and opened that season, right? Remember that? I don't follow Duke. Yeah, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember that game either. Coach K doesn't do that. He doesn't do that type of dynamic. Um, I think that's one of the reasons Roy kind of stands out. We do know what happened last time Duke played Elon in Greensboro. That was the big Grayson Allen trip and the, the, bench, right. melt, yes. the bench meltdown. And my buddy Adam Smith with the Burlington Times News can tell you all about that, uh, that, that locker room scene, how Coach K orchestrated that apology and the, uh, the inevitable suspension there and whatnot. The indefinite. Uh, yeah, that was the game, right, that caused the indefinite suspension? Yeah, so, yeah, it really – Tripping an Elon player. That's about as good as it gets. Yeah, that triple name. <laughs> Let's talk about the next three on the schedule, Greg. Stanford, Tennessee Tech, St. Francis. Uh, clearly ties to Stanford. I think I saw somewhere as Melvin Scott on the staff at Tennessee Tech, maybe. Um, and then St. Fra- Francis. I mean, we talked about the first two away, but the first five in total – not really that tough of ball games for this Tar Heel team that'll be fairly young, especially at key positions. Yeah, well, the, the Tennessee Tech and St. Francis games are really just the preliminary affairs for the Las Vegas Invitational. Um, that That's kind of how they are able to get in a, a handful of teams to uh, give them some exposure, and then they, they set the stage. You know, if Carolina loses to either of those teams, uh, it's not going to prevent them from, <laughs> from going to Las Vegas, but that's kind of how it's uh, it's teased. Is yeah, these so, are the preliminary games. So this is first uh, and second round, but if you lose, don't worry, you get a bye <laughs> to the semis. That, that's right. <laughs> um, but but I do think you know, Ross touched on it. The Stanford game last year uh, that was a uh, a very a very interesting dynamic. Um, I guess it wasn't last year, but. Uh, going out to Stanford and playing before UNC went on to 
um, went on to Hawaii. You, you gave Jared Haas an opportunity, you know, to, to play a brand name program, like like Ross mentioned, like we talked about earlier. Um, and that place was rocking. And I think the fact that Roy is so willing to kind of give back, not only to the local schools, but also to his, his former players that that have gone on to get coaching jobs. Um, you know, that, that includes C.B. McGrath with the UNCW game on December 5th. I, I think that really shows how much these guys mean to Roy, um, how much he's willing to help them. Because, I mean, that that's just an incredible opportunity for those guys to be like, hey, you come play for me next year, guess what? You get to play against North Carolina, who has won, who has won, you know, three national championships since 2005. Um, is one of the best programs, if not the best program in the country. You can do that, and so for these coaches to be able to make that kind of statement to their recruits, I think speaks volumes. And, and again, that goes back to Roy really being willing to give back. Um, but the the unique dynamic to me is he's willing to give back. He's willing to set up these games. But he also doesn't schedule easy games. You know, Stanford's a, a legitimate opponent, but then when you talk about some of these other games that we'll get to, those are tough games as well. So the way that he balances his schedules are, are always, always very impressive to me. Ross, at Las Vegas Invitational, sounds like a good road trip for me to come out of retirement for inside Carolina. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, but talk about that. I mean, you got some of the biggest names in the sport. Who knows how good teams will be given what they have coming back, going to the pros. Uh, but regardless, Michigan State, Texas, UCLA, and Carolina out there, that, that should be a fun one. Yeah, you know, great uh, seafood buffets, some little blackjack, a little nightlife. Oh, oh basketball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Michigan State, Texas, UCLA, it's weird. We don't know which they're going to play. Um, but Michigan State obviously losing some uh, a couple players. You know, the freshman – has already jumped. Um, let me pull up his name here. Jaron Jackson is going pro, as is Miles Bridges. But they're kind of a team similar to North Carolina where they reload and they do always have some older players as well. So Michigan State will be a, a tough out um, over there in Las Vegas. Texas obviously lost Muhammad Bamba, um, but obviously have some talent there. They weren't that good this year. Um, they, were, they were missing some parts. Then UCLA did not make the tournament this year. I don't believe they did, so. But they're going to they're lose the holiday kid as well. So they, they've lost the big name standout as well. Yeah. So, I mean, these teams, it's not, I don't think it's as scary as, as some other teams that UNC could play, but it's a great test. I think it's a great early test. I think it kind of fits nicely into the schedule. You have those two road, two road games against Wofford and Elon um, at a home test against Stanford kind of two cupcakes with Tennessee Tech and, uh, and St. Francis, all due respect to those schools. And then you kind of get going around Thanksgiving, November 22nd, November 23rd, against two out of Michigan State, Texas, UCLA, which would be a great test. We saw it last year in uh, Portland, where UNC had a, a, a good game against Arkansas. They went against Michigan State up there and kind of saw where they were and what they needed to do and, and some of their weaknesses, and that kind of helped them uh, prepare for the remainder of the season. And then when they come back home, I'm sure we'll get to this, the um, ACC Big Ten Challenge. So there's a chunk there in late November, but we'll kind of know what we have with this 2018-19 team. There's a lot of questions going into it. So that's after that stretch of games, we're going to have a, a really good idea of how good this team could be, some potential lineup options, um, you know, if the big men are playing well, and all those different things that we're going to spend the next two or three months kind of talking about. Yeah, let me take a break. We'll come back and talk about the Big Ten Challenge, talk about the December slate. I'd wager that 
that portion of Carolina's schedule is tougher uh, than many teams' non-conference slate in total. But when we come back from break, we'll talk about it. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Greg, the ACC Big Ten Challenge. You know, I don't know if it's a big deal to me anymore watching it. I mean, the matchups are kind of weird. Um, it, it got for a while there. It seemed like Carolina played the same teams every year. But your take on that and any idea, any predictions on maybe who Carolina will play? Because I don't, I'm not sure when the information comes out, but I'd like to say, see them play somebody other than Michigan State, uh, Indiana, or Michigan. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think they'll play Indiana just because Indiana kind of struggled last year. Archie Miller's got a, a rebuild job to do there. I think they were 9-9 nine nine in conference. Uh, Carolina possibly will play Michigan State in Las Vegas. So you would think the schedulers would be smart enough not to make the Spartans one. And like you said, it seemed like for a while there, uh, it was Izzo and Roy because you know, Roy really dominated that, uh, that, that matchup for a number of years there. And then you know, North Carolina played Ohio State last year down in, in New Orleans. So that leaves you with, okay, Nebraska, because Nebraska had a good year. Yeah, I would hope not. Um, I, I think you kind of have to circle either Purdue or Michigan. And I know North Carolina has played Michigan a couple times of late. So I would like to see Purdue um, just because Purdue had a, a great year last year. Um, so that's the one that kind of stands out to me. But it could be it could be Michigan and maybe Ohio State again. Um, but play, I think that's really about it. They played Michigan last year in the Big Ten. The that Big sounds Ten right. Yeah, they yeah, played them yeah, in, in Chapel Hill and, and right. rolled them. So they do a yeah. home game or they do – or is it rotate or how does it usually work, Greg? It, it doesn't rotate for sure. Um, but North Carolina, you would think, is, is set to go on the road. Uh, but, again, you know, it's, it's kind of however the schedulers determine what, what is the best opportunity for them and uh, kind of what's the unique pairing. And we'll have to wait till the summer to find out exactly you know, what that thought process is. It seems like Purdue is the, the logical pick there. They had a really good season last year. Um <clears throat> And then, because you know, they played Michigan State, they played Michigan State last year. They could play them this upcoming season. They played Ohio State last year. They played Michigan last year. So I think that's kind of. I was looking at the schedule same as you or Greg, kind of eyeing that game. Yeah, I, I mean, you got you know, Duke. Duke and Michigan State played last year. Um, it wasn't in, in this game. It was an earlier tournament. Yeah. Um, but that's that's kind of an easy one to pencil in. But also, uh, what what Holtman's done it with the Buckeyes in Columbus has been pretty impressive. Um, you know, North Carolina handled them pretty easily in New Orleans last year, but that was a game um, you, that you know, after that, the Buckeyes really turned it on. So maybe Duke, Ohio State, and if that's the case, then, then maybe things open up for you know, Virginia, Michigan State, and then North Carolina, Purdue. Uh, personally, I think that would be a, a great setup, uh, but, but again, we'll kind of have to wait and see how that plays out. Ooh, Virginia, Michigan State might have to play to 21. Uh <laughs> That would be a brutal one. I'd like to see them play Purdue, Carolina play Purdue. That'd be something different. I can't remember last time they played the Boilermakers. That'd be a riveting road trip for you, Greg, to what, West Lafayette, Indiana. West Lafayette, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 
Kind of rocking yeah, I went to a game at Evansville a number of years ago. Uh, so, you know, that, that it can't be any worse than, than Evansville. And no offense to anybody who's from Evansville that's <laughs> yeah, maybe you, listening to this podcast. Uh, appreciate just say you all due respect. If you just say all, all due respect. That's my uh, motto on Twitter these days. Well, spe- speaking of what would be a good road trip, Ross, and this could be another one, uh, maybe the return game is Carolina and UNCW in the Smith Center December 5th. Would be pretty cool if it was down in Trask Coliseum. Um, but again, Rory Williams, uh, he's like a Lannister. He always pays his debts <laughs> and uh, Game of Thrones reference for fo- folks that don't get it. But speak to that ball game. It should be a, a pretty neat experience seeing the Seahawks come to the Dean Dome. Yeah, and that's part of a three-game series. So I think UNC will go to Wilmington the following season. I know it's a, it's a three-game series with a two-and-one kind of deal there you know cb mcgrath struggled a little bit last year um it wasn't an awful season but you know they lost a lot of talent coming off kevin keats's um last year in wilmington ended up going you know mcgrath went 11 and 21 but 7 and 11 in conference uh got some wins there kind of late in the year and he's obviously building something there and it's a a tough place to kind of get started as a head coach he obviously is going to hit some bumps there so that's a cool matchup a lot of cross definitely a lot of crossover with fans there um and it'll be cool to see kind of a different color in the dean dome as well so uh with elon and uncw you have the same kind of team you'll see for the next three seasons so it's i guess kind of an opponent you can get used to um because you're going to see them three years in a row and of course great great to have a graph back uh, obviously a longtime assistant of roy and, and somebody he's very close with and that kind of Carolina family crossover, I think, is really cool. And and I did check on Tennessee Tech. Uh, Melvin Scott is director of basketball operations there, which is cool. And then Elon, um, I mentioned this when I wrote up the article today. Um, JB Tanner is on the staff at Elon. He's director of basketball operations, and Jack Wooten is an assistant coach at Elon. Both those guys were walk-ons on the 2009 UNC team. Jack Wooten famously had the mustache. Uh, during the, one of the tournament runs, That's and right. yeah. Obama, famous, or when they when they scrimmaged against Obama early in the morning when he was running for president, uh, Wooten like put a hard foul on uh, Barack Obama, and Obama, <laughs> Obama mentioned him during the White House visit. You know, later that year, making a joke about you know um, his security guards and stuff. So uh, Jack Wooten's a buddy of mine, and, and it's cool to see them have success at Elon. And uh, that's a cool connection there because, of course, Roy knows those players uh, really well. Yeah, Wooten disappeared for about six or seven years, reappeared at Elon after that foul on President Obama. Uh, right. Let's, let's um, talk about this Gonzaga game, Greg. I mean, this you don't get uh, this type matchup home and home very often. Gonzaga coming across country to play in the Smith Center, uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, I don't know another way to put it. Mark Few, Roy Williams, two of the uh, coaches with the best winning percentage. Just just a neat matchup there. Uh, what backstory, if any, do you know about how this series even got going? You know, Tommy, that, that's a good question, and I don't really know anything, to be honest with you. Um, I, I know these two guys <laughs> really respect one another. Um, and it, 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 was, it was fun to see when you go to, you know, a Final Four, and even before the you know, the the championship game, even before they're playing each other, you know, few and, and Roy are, are throwing out compliments to each other, and I think that just kind of speaks to uh, you know their respect of one another, the way they do things. 
Um, and you know, they don't recruit against one another because they're on opposite sides of the country. Uh, but I think this, the, the mutual respect is just tremendous. And uh, the, the fact that they've decided to do this is, um, is really just a neat thing. Uh, I think it's good for the sport. Again, I mean, I, I keep praising Roy and how he handles his, his roster, his schedule. Uh, and I really do think it's just kind of an amazing thing. But, yeah, to your point, the fact that you have a team like Gonzaga, who over the last, I guess, 20 years has really become a dominant force you know, basketball-wise, and they, they don't do it by you know signing these elite guys. Uh, they do it just by kind of building up and maybe getting a, a you know, transfer here or there that really helps them. Uh, but but they've you know, Mark Few's done it the right way. And I think the fact that these two programs are willing to play a series is really a neat thing. Ross, Kentucky in the CBS Classic in Chicago. I can't tell you who'd be on Kentucky's roster. That's right. It's about like Dukes. Um, I don't know. It's some freshmen, some 18, 19-year-olds. Um, but the matchup is always going to get eyeballs, especially since it's the first time since Luke May came on the map. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, yeah, they're going to lose You know, most of their – starting lineup and obviously um they're having uh the transfer the name is escaping me uh sasha Killey jones is transferring they're losing him they picked up a commitment from ej montgomery a name that a lot of unc fans will know because unc did recruit him and they have a, a quality guard emmanuel quickly signed with them as well so uh, but always a great match it's one of the better rivalries in carolina basketball in, in college basketball uh unc versus kentucky i was there in las vegas two years ago 2016-17 season. That was an awesome game. Um, it's like both teams. It felt like both teams you know, should have won. It was such a great game. A lot of offense. Pure college basketball. Um, that was when Justin Jackson went off and um, Monk went off for Kentucky. Obviously, they had a rematch in Memphis. And that kind of aspect of the rivalry and that game, it will be a big storyline heading into this part of the CBS Sports Classic in Chicago. Um, definitely appointment viewing for for all college basketball fans and definitely UNC and Kentucky fans, but uh, it's just a cool rivalry. I, I think Cal and Roy are, are friendly and they, they both appreciate each other and they, they joke around, they see each other. So that's a little, a cool aspect of, um, of their coaching styles and just how differently they do things and how different they are as people, but they are still, you know, in the same fraternity as coaches. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's a neat part of it as well. Greg Davidson, December 29th. I mean, Bob McKillop, gets a lot of uh, praise for what he does at Davidson, but Davidson's always been pretty solid. It's kind of neat to see them. They're never a, it's never an easy game. They always have a couple of players that usually play really well against field, but just speak to that, that ball game there. It looks like Carolina goes December 5th, 15th, 22nd, 29th. I would think there's going to be an ACC game wrapped in there somewhere. But anyway, speak to the Davidson matchup four years in. Well, there's not going to be a, an ACC game snuck in there. And you're right because the first two weekends of December, there's not a game scheduled. And so you would think maybe that there is an opportunity there because UNC uh, typically you know, schedules a bye week during exam week and not necessarily that first weekend. I mean, used to be that was when the Kentucky game was, that first week, that first Saturday in December. Uh, when they're going back and forth before they started this CBS Classic stuff, um, but you know, according to the UNC press release, the, the first ACC game 
will be the the first weekend in January, which is the fifth or sixth. Um, so, you know, assuming that is actually the case, which we have no reason to doubt that, uh, there is going to be some some openings there. And I think I think that kind of speaks to you know that that early start. I mean, you're talking about road games at Wofford, at Elon, two games in Vegas, potentially a game in the ACC Big Ten Challenge on the road. So, I mean, that's that's potentially five games away from the Smith Center in November, which is quite extreme. Uh, and so it kind of makes sense when you add in the fact that you know, the Kentucky game is going to be in Chicago. Uh, so I agree with you. That is kind of a unique setup, but we'll, we'll have to see exactly if that, that holds true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, McKillop has done just a phenomenal job with Davidson. They got a lot of key pieces coming back from that that team that was successful last year. Uh, they really push UNC in Charlotte early in the year, and of course, Luke May just had a phenomenal game in his his return home. Uh, I will say he went like thirty and, and fifteen in that game, and that was really the opportunity where McKillop talked after the game. I'd asked him, I said, you know, did you see this coming from Luke and? And McKillop was like, oh, yeah, I did because, you know, I recruited him and I thought he was going to be you know, as good as he is. And that really opened the door for all this praise to come in with Luke. And we were asking, you know, different coaches. We, you know, we talked to uh, Mike Bray at Notre Dame. He compared him to Luke Herringote and uh, all that kind of spiraled uh, the way that it did. And he ended up being a, a first-team All-ACC guy. Uh, but, but Davidson, you know, played well in that game. And that was a pretty close competitive game. Uh, other than the fact that Luke kind of you know let you know, North Carolina get up uh, get a, a pretty big lead late, I guess they won by ten or so. Uh, so that'll be another tough one. And I think the fact that that is the first game after Christmas, that game is normally one where UNC has to kind of knock the rust off because it's been about a week since they played. Uh, so that could be a that could be a competitive game uh, for the Tar Heels to close out the uh, the 2018 traditional calendar. Ross, you get the Harvard game. Tommy Amaker, I assume he'll still be the coach at Harvard. Uh, a lot of people said he may be the guy in waiting for Duke. Ooh. But Harvard comes in day after New Year's. Uh, interesting matchup for Carolina, especially with Amaker coaching Harvard. Yeah, man, those uh, those Crimson and get you. I don't. I mean, I don't. I'm not. I'm not the guy to go to for your uh, Harvard analysis, Tommy. But right, no, let me jump in real quick, Tom. Uh, Ross, yeah, look, they were 18-4 and four last up, year. They, they were 12-2 and two in the Ivy League. Amaker's entering his 12th season. So good, a good year last year. Uh, in terms of what they have coming back, I have no idea. I'll defer to you, Ross. <laughs> well, they didn't, they didn't win the Ivy League. Penn beat them in the, right. uh, to, to clinch the Ivy League, and Penn – Gave Kansas a fight in the NCAA tournament. They lost their first game in the NIT against Marquette, but they, you know, one. You, I think UNC played them a couple of years ago in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of um, a little last time they f- they faced them. But it'd be cool to have and that, Harvard. That came down to the very end there. Yeah, I think that was the year. It was Marcus Page team, um, and they played Arkansas after that. But uh, it'd be cool to have Harvard in uh, in Chapel Hill. It's a it's a kind of a cool. Um, yeah, cool to have Harvard, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, all that kind of good stuff, man. <laughs> so let me give you, this analysis here, Tommy. I'm bringing you analysis. This is uh, just fabulous. Let me give you all a, a nugget of information. Guess, okay, my brothers went to UNCW back in 78 to 82, 83-ish. Guess who 
was their PE teacher at UNCW, Greg. Michael Jordan's brother. <laughs> You're close. Dave Hanners was uh, their PE teacher at UNCW. Ross, way before your time, I'm sure. Hanners he's an assistant was, at UNC, right? Hey, I'll he, give he you, I'll give you a, neat, a neat little story. A buddy of mine that, that worked for me at the, uh, the golf course 15 years ago. He has since passed away, unfortunately. Uh, but he went to Wilmington back in the early 80s while uh, Jordan was at Carolina, actually. And at U, at, when he was at UNCW, uh, he used to go and play basketball. And he was a point guard. And he would play with Jordan's brother. And they would play on the playground. Yep. And he said Jordan's brother was every bit as good as Michael was at the time. And on a handful of two or three occasions in the early 80s, uh, Michael would actually come down to play with his brother. And as you can imagine, it would be like a mob scene where word got out. You know, we didn't have Twitter back then, but word got out that Michael Jordan was you know, playing basketball at Wilmington with his brother. Uh, and, and Jordan would go out there and play with his brother. But, but in listening to him tell this story, and this is you know, secondhand, but he said that, that Jordan's brother was, was every bit as good as, as MJ was, uh, just, just was unable to, to keep the grades and, I believe he was a good bit shorter, but uh, that's always a, a fun story he used to tell. Yeah, those folks got some fun stories about that stuff down growing up in Wilmington at that time frame. Ross, your turn. We need, before we close the show, we need like a nugget, interesting story, well, something from you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pose a question to Greg. Um, which of these games are you most excited to cover um, of all these games we talked about? You can include the Las Vegas option there. <laughs> Um, given the location, the opponent, the style of game, et cetera, which one, what, what are one or two that you're excited to cover? That's that's a tough question. I, I would say you know, at Wofford to start the season, just because UNC lost to the the Terriers last year. Uh, but I think you're going to Elon. It would be neat to see them open that arena. But the game that really kind of piques my interest is Gonzaga. Um, you know, I've seen them play Kentucky a handful of times, and uh, well, I. I understand UNC Kentucky is a big rivalry for for so many different reasons. Um, with Kentucky really kind of being a one and done factory, you don't really get to understand and learn about those players uh, like like I think you should at the college level. So Gonzaga probably more than anything. Uh, Las Vegas is always interesting, just because we've seen so so many kind of fun games there. I mean, I'll never forget the UNLV game. Uh, when the uh, Rebels, you beat North Carolina and you had a fan come out of the stands and go at Roy Williams and that ended up being the storyline after the game. So that's always uh, that's always fun on the strip. But but I think Gonzaga, the fact that the Mark Few and his team is coming across country, I think I think that's the one I'm most interested in. Ross, your choice. Uh, and I'll probably say you can't pick the Las Vegas Invitational. Yeah, and I hope they cover that one. That's always fun. I was out there when they played Kentucky, and that was a cool game. And to have two games out there, that'll be neat against prime competition. But I probably won't cover the Kentucky game at Chicago, unless for some reason Greg can't. But, I mean, just to watch that game, and I, I just love the contrasting styles. I like the recruiting um, differences and just seeing Roy and Cal go at it. And, you know, I think Duke is kind of – taken away from Kentucky's one-and-done luster, and that just adds an interesting storyline to, to how Kentucky's performing and the storylines there. I think some Wildcat fans are a little restless with the, the one championship and some early exits from the tournament, given how many years they've had you know, the top one or two recruiting classes in the last uh, you know 
six or seven, eight years. So I just think it's a really cool matchup and a cool rivalry and add in the Luke May factor. Um, it'll be a, a sweet thing to see right around Christmas time on December 22nd. Good points about the recruiting, but at some point you got to coach them. Uh, guys, right. way too early predictions. Greg, your your thoughts. I think there's 13 of these games we discussed. Give me a prediction for the Tar Heels over that span. Oh, um, <laughs> let's see. I'll go uh... – I'll go a uh, ten and three. Ten and three, Ross. That's what I was gonna say. I'll go. Uh, I'll go ten and four. Out of thirteen, did you? Oh, sorry. I'll go nine and four. I was not a math major. I'll go nine and four. Um, I just think there's so many questions with this UNC team. They're gonna they're gonna have a slip up against a team that we don't expect, a la Wofford last year. Mm, I see five and zero. Oh, I think they lose Warren in Vegas. Depending on that Big Ten challenge, if it's at Purdue, that'd be tough. I'm yep. liking the ten and three pick, nine and four ish. We'll see. Like you said, a lot depends on who's playing point. A lot depends on how the bigs have developed. Something we'll be talking about all the way through to that November sixth start date at Wofford. Guys, appreciate y'all joining me for our weekly podcast. Yeah, yeah for sure, Tommy. Thanks. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.